and welcome back to Time Out Let's Talk Policy. You may think that we've been asleep at the switch and gone for a few months, but in actuality, we've been redesigning the podcast to make it more enjoyable for you and all of our listeners. So now we're here with the new CEOs, and we would like them to introduce themselves to you, the people who are behind the magic of this organization. Sydney, go ahead. Hi guys, I'm Sydney Farragalli. I'm 17 years old from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I am one of the new co-CEOs of the Foreign Policy Youth Collaborative. I'm super happy to be on this podcast. I'm super happy that we're redesigning it, um, and I'm just super happy to be here in general. Okay, wonderful. Um, my name is Graham Bateman. I am the other co-CEO. I am 16 years old. I'm a rising junior, and I live in Boston, Massachusetts, so I'm super excited to be involved with FPYC. Um, it's really a phenomenal organization doing great things uh, and super excited to be here. Today. Perfect. Well, today we we're going to be talking about the U.S. removal of troops in Afghanistan. And what better to do that with than two of the most well-versed people who are running the entire organization. But first, I'm going to give a little bit of context so that everyone listening can understand what happened before the removal. So in February 2020, President Trump and NATO allies agreed to formulate a deal with the Taliban that would allow the U.S. to formally withdraw troops from Afghanistan. And under the terms of agreement, the Taliban would promise not to allow Al-Qaeda, which was the extremist organization that caused 9-11 or any other extremist group to operate in the areas of control. So the U.S. has been in Afghanistan since 2001 because they've been trying to eliminate the threat of Al-Qaeda, which is the terrorist organization behind the 9-11-2001 attacks. And so the civil war has been occurring in the country for 18 years, and there are tens of thousands of people dead, including more than 2,000 U.S. soldiers. So considering all of this, the first question is, do you think that the removal in Afghanistan will cause the country to go back to a brink of civil war. Yeah, I mean, I can start out. Um, I mean, so I would say that, you know, obviously what we're seeing in the news right now is that there is a lot of fighting going on, um, that there have been substantial effects um, from the U.S. withdrawal. Um, So, I mean, I would not be surprised if the Taliban gains a greater footing. We're also kind of seeing at this point Uh, China has started getting behind the Taliban, legitimatizing the Taliban by meeting uh, with Taliban leaders. Uh, So, I mean, I would not be surprised if the Taliban gains a substantial foothold, as we're seeing right now, in the country. Now, the question is, was this a good idea? And I think that, um, I mean, it depends on what perspective you're looking at. From a U.S. perspective, I think that it did make sense um, simply from a strategic perspective uh, in terms of, you know, where we're putting U.S. taxpayer dollars, um, where we're putting U.S. troops and how we're risking lives. Although, you know, we have to be acknowledged that there is going to be a substantial human impact to the withdrawal. What do you think? I'll just bounce off of what Graham said. I think I agree for the most part. Like if we're looking at what, um, you know, Biden and the previous administrations have done for America in terms of foreign policy, it's more of a put America first aspect. And in that in that realm, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons recently from the Afghanistan war to the Vietnam war. And I find that really interesting. And I think that the removal of troops is definitely a good thing. However, you know, because there is a lack of coverage and a lack of support from American troops now, we will probably see a rise in Taliban control in major Afghanistan cities that are already Taliban holds previously, prior to, at 
uh, American troops occupying those cities. So I would not be surprised if, you know, a Taliban has an increased presence in some major Afghanistan cities. But um, I think that's to be expected. And I think the general the general goal was to put America first. And that's been a prevailing slogan for a majority of the presidential uh, campaigns recently. So you both touched on the political benefits of the U.S. pulling out. But what about the moral consequences? Do you think that because the U.S. was part of this civil war, they have a moral obligation to stay and rebuild the nation? Or do you agree with President Biden, who said it's not our job to rebuild another country, that country needs to rebuild itself. I mean, I think at the end of the day, Afghanistan and the Afghan people are going to have to figure out how they build their nation. Obviously, the U.S. as an extremely powerful country has an obligation to try to, um, you know, help people across the world and help people achieve, you know, self-government in an effective manner. Um, and what we're seeing right now is that, there, you know, there are consequences we should draw with the Taliban kind of um, impeding on our um, past past project to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, countries have to become self-sustaining. They have to um, come together. They have to understand uh, you know, how to uh, form their government. They have to preserve that government over time. And I think the U.S. has spent decades, obviously, in Afghanistan trying to do that. There wasn't substantial progress, a lot of corruption. And something that you'll see is that if a country has a lot of strategic um, value to the United States, that creates corruption because the government in charge can say, okay, well, um, you know, we are, the United States depends on us. They depend on us being in charge. So therefore, and I think that creates an avenue for corruption. So I think that with the U.S. withdrawing, obviously you, you eliminate that avenue largely for corruption, but you do have large impacts um, which, which I think should be acknowledged. I also want to think a little bit about how we frame the war in Afghanistan. So you can frame this as something that the, the U.S. has lost, right? It's an effort. The U.S. is withdrawing. Now we're seeing the rise of the Taliban. But when you think about what was the goal of this war, well, it was obviously in response to 9-11, to al-Qaeda. Um, and what we effectively did is we showed the Taliban that you can't support terrorist organizations and expect to be in control for very long. Right. So now with the U.S. withdrawing, it's yes, we are giving up large parts of the country to the Taliban, but the Taliban now has to approach their control of the country with a different mindset, um, which I think is very interesting to think about because oftentimes, you know, the narrative can be, OK, the U.S. lost the war. Now everything's going to go back to what it was before, which I don't think is necessarily the case. So clearly Graham is much more well versed in terms of uh foreign policy warfare, more so than I am. But I'll build off on that and say that I agree for the most part, but I also want to point out that there's a wrong way to withdraw from a war that we are not necessarily supposed to be involved in. And I, you know, America for for at least a century has been known as the world's police. And there's, you know, a line in the sand that needs to be drawn when it comes to that statement. And I personally believe that sometimes, even for a powerful country that is responsible for, that may be responsible in the eyes of some, to help those countries who are failing in terms of democracy and America being, you know, this keyhole, you know, beautiful image of democracy, apparently, you know, there's a certain line to be drawn when it comes to, okay, when can a country be considered selfish? And when can they focus on themselves and not have to worry about others? And 
you know, we've tried for decades in Afghanistan and things aren't, we aren't making any significant progress. And I think at a point, you know, we reach that line where it's, okay, you know, there's other things that we need to focus on. And, you know, as Graham said, we're, you know, there's no tolerance for terrorist organizations, regardless of where you are in the world. So, and that's the US policy. So you both are in kind of agreement that the pulling out is the best thing for the United States. Do you think that that, or at least some version of pulling out, maybe not necessarily in the way we did it. Do you think that that shared that is a shared sentiment across political parties, considering that Trump was the one who led the effort to remove the troops and Biden is the one doing the actual. I'll take that question. I think it's a pretty bipartisan effort because, you know, you look at statistics and you look at, you know, you also compare veterans to, you know, American public opinion and we're ranging. I'm looking at a um, at some stats from CNN right now. We have 65 percent of conservatives that support the withdrawal and we have, you know, 57% of veterans that support the withdrawal. So, and of course, in both of those numbers, the numbers are higher for support of those who are liberals and those who are um, not veterans. But, you know, that's, I would say that's a pretty bipartisan effort. And I'd say that's pretty by, pretty much bipartisan support on both sides, um, especially since Trump, you know, initiated the plan, plan and Biden is executing it. I think there's definitely a lack of understanding among, you know, the general American population on what exactly pulling out entails, um, especially in something that is, you know, a very sore subject. You know, Afghanistan is a very sore subject for a lot of Americans who, you know, you know, witnessed 9-11 and were involved in that, in the aftermath of that and um, the war on terror. So I think there's a lot of, you know, more education to be done among the American public opinion and, you know, what they need to understand is that sometimes like not that things are lost cause but that you know certain decisions need to be made at least in my opinion and you know i think what we're looking at right here is in a is a decision that is made in the best possible light given the resources that we have i think it could have been done better and i think it could have been done less quickly i think we could have been much more safer and much more cautious but um I still think we're moving in the right direction. I also want to, um, I guess, touch a little bit upon like how I guess this affects um, the, the, I guess, the idea of American um, military exercises across the world. So, I mean, obviously, a prevailing narrative at least has come up, especially you know, Democrats as well, and, and I guess, um, I guess, primarily liberals. Is this idea that America is this hegemon that is somewhat um, colonialist and kind of trying to push, you know, spread democracy um, and then push our ideals upon different populations. So it's like the aftermath of the Iraq war. And I think that, you know, there's definitely some truth to that statement, particularly in the context of, you know, contributions to uh, the World Bank, for example, with structural adjustment policies. Like you can see that has a huge impact on, on countries um, and can be kind of viewed as kind of forcing countries to adopt economic policies that are going to benefit um, Western liberal democracies, not necessarily their countries. But when it comes to you know, security and what the United States is doing with security, I think what we're going to see is a kind of change in, in narrative regarding that. So you see, now we're seeing kind of the impacts, I guess, of the U.S. withdrawal and the impacts of we, we, what happens, I guess, when the U.S. decides um, not to get involved or decides to kind of withdraw. 
uh, and, and we see negative impacts. So it, I think, I, and I mean, I think it's too early to tell, but it'll be very interesting to see how other countries respond to this withdrawal and um, kind of think about the way that America exercises. Considering that, do you think the members? U.S. is going to be less interventionist in the future? And as the next generation of leaders come into power, do you think that they're going to push more of this um, need to better your own country before you get involved in the failing democracies or other types of government in other countries? I think looking at past history on, you know, our stances on foreign policy, we've gone from interve interventionist to isolationist and back again back and back and, you know, back and forth, depending on the, you know, specific presidential campaign that is occupying office at the time and what American public opinion um, and what, again, what's going on in the world and, you know, what America deems as an important cause and what America deems as quote unquote unimportant causes. And that kind of determines how we treat the rest of the world. Uh, and I think looking at us right now, I wouldn't say we are going to become more interventionist, but I think, we may definitely start to lay back, especially if we continue with a democratic, you know, controlled presidency and maybe even a democratically controlled Senate and House. Um, and I think that, you know, we can say we're going to be less interventionist, but there's always going to be this kind of, at least in my opinion, this kind of like idea that America holds a responsibility to be interventionist in some portions of the world and in some circumstances. And at least in my opinion, I think that sometimes that's a very harmful narrative um, that America is ultimately responsible for, you know, helping other countries regardless or like, you know, depending on what's happening. I think that, you know, America in general shouldn't be viewed as this like amazing, like perfect image of democracy. Um, and while we do hold a lot of power and we do have the resources to provide, you know, help to other countries, I don't think that it's most that it's, you know, not necessarily our responsibility to always intervene on anything that we deem like threatening or hurtful or quote unquote harmful to America, even when, you know, they're across the Atlantic Ocean. Well, I guess touching on what Sydney said. I mean, I think that, yes, it's important that the U.S. chooses where we use our military strength um, and when we use our military strength very strategically, um, just because there are immense um, negative impacts when we make that kind of mistake, as I would say we probably did in Iraq and Libya. Um, but I would also say that there's some strategic benefit to intervening. Like if we are willing to exercise our military strength, what does that signal to our allies and what does that signal to our adversaries? Well, if you currently look at where military or US troops are stationed like across the world, a lot of troops in Eastern Europe um, kind of counteracting uh, Russian aggression there. Um, you also see you know, building up in Southeast Asia with Chinese aggression there. Um, and I think that when we when we show that we are willing to use our military strength, that sends a message to our adversaries that they need to take us seriously. Now, obviously, we're never going to get into a war with Russia. We're never going to get into a war with China. Um, that would be ridiculous. I think both sides acknowledge that. Um, but going to war with, say, um, a proxy of theirs or, or a close ally of theirs, like, for example, if we look at the Assad regime in Syria, that seems a little bit more feasible. Now, do I think we should do that? Absolutely not. But signaling, and as we have done 
um, over you know, the past decade or two that we're willing to get involved, I think shows um, that, that we're willing to kind of advance our interests and advance our allies' interests, which I think is generally important. And I think that, you know, what, what you'll see probably over the next decade or two is I doubt we're going to get involved just because of the mass public opinion that's against that. Um, but I don't think that not getting involved uh, in other countries in the world necessarily correlates to less military spending or less emphasis on the military. A lot of the military's role is to ensure that war doesn't happen by being present in these areas, right? And it's, in, it's, it's for example, to show you know, to China, you can't take Taiwan, uh, or to show um, to Russia, you can't necessarily take Ukraine or other Eastern European countries. Um, so, so I think that, and, and, I, and I think that it's beneficial that U.S. troops are stationed there. We send that message because one, it prevents militarization of other countries, right? Like Eastern Europe doesn't have to militarize to counteract Russia, and I think that that's generally very good because it results in less war in the long term. Countries don't have to develop nuclear weapons. Um, Saudi Arabia doesn't have to develop nuclear weapons to counteract Iran because they know that you know we're stationed there. So I think it's important for the U.S. military to be involved, but I don't think intervention will necessarily be the answer. While it's still important to have that tool, I guess, in the back and have that ability to signal. Um, yeah, I'll clarify. And I, you know, I think when it comes, as Graham said, when it comes to defending democracy, as long as you do it strategically then it is it can be beneficial not that it always is but that it can be i think when it comes to you know being much more reckless with our military and you know intervening whenever we say like you know this is going to threaten us you know this is going to be a problem in you know decades or like years from now and it's all these what ifs i think that you know dominate a lot of american foreign policy at least previously in previous decades and i definitely think in um, the previous century, in the 20th century, I think that was definitely a larger theme. But I think now that we are being much more cautious and that we are being much more strategic, um, you know, I think it's a step in the right direction. And I also think we do need to demilitarize in a lot of areas. And just the presence is enough. The pr I think the presence of U.S. Troop is in troops is enough, but um, at least in a lot of places. I think that demilitarization can be toned down always. Like, I... I'm very much like a pacifist. I wouldn't call myself a pacifist, but I would call myself much more pacifist than some other people that um, form the majority of the American public opinion. And that's just my general thoughts. I think that American taxpayer dollars can be um, put to better things at home. But um, I think when it comes to defending democracy, as long as we put peace first and as long as you put diplomacy first, then I'm happy with that. I mean, just like kind of going off of that, I also think the, U the U.S. military could be probably more strategic in the way that we utilize our resources, right? Like, for example, if, if you look at, you know, the U.S. military has billions of dollars of funding. It's a massive enterprise, a lot of logistical capability, the ability to organize things, the ability to carry out plans, right? And I, and I think that, you know, the military doesn't always have to play the role of um, fighting, uh, like of, of, fight, of fighting for d democracy, the military can play other roles while being stationed in these countries. Like, for example, combat combating COVID nineteen. Like, 
why isn't the military getting involved in the distribution of vaccines, the production of that, um, the logistics behind that? You know, we have this massive resource, which I think we could really tap into. I think it's also important to be strategic about the way that we spend military funding. Um, you know, for example, um, and this is getting a little bit off track from Afghanistan, um, but if we look at nuclear weapons, right, like the U.S. does not have the most advanced nuclear arsenal, which I think is a huge problem. Um, and I think it's a waste of resource that we would spend that on upping our, you know, the amount of troops that we have, the amount of um, other kind of, of weapons and logistical or, or um, the, the other, the other like, uh, resources that the U.S. military has instead of um, upping the amount of nuclear weapons we have. I think that's a problem. And I think that, OK, you know, what you might be saying, it's like, OK, why, why would we up the amount of nuclear weapons we have? Well, if we look at Russia, Russia has a significantly more complex arsenal. So for example, they have what are called tactical nuclear weapons. So these are very, very small nuclear weapons that can be reasonably used in the battlefield, used against say US troops um, and without triggering necessarily a world war because it wouldn't have that massive um, amount of destructive capability. And the US doesn't have these kinds of weapons, which I think puts us at a huge disadvantage. So like being a little bit more strategic about the way that we um, approach to the military, the way that we use the military, the way that we build the military, I think is going to be extremely important um, for the U.S. moving forward. Well, with that, I think we can end. And thank you both so much for joining us with this week on Time Out, Let's Talk Policy. And to learn more, you can visit us at fpyouthcollab.org or any of our social medias at fpyouthcollab. And once again, thank you to Lee, who is our editing team. And we will see the executives back on in four weeks. Stay tuned for the other styles of our episodes. And I cannot wait till the day where Graham and Sydney are running US foreign policy. So thank you guys. Mm-hmm.